0: Hey, everyone. I am super excited to announce a new online program, the Champion Sports Physical Therapy Mentorship. I've teamed up with Dan Pope and Dave Tilley to create this brand new 12-week mentorship program, and we're now opening it up to the very first cohort on June 10th. We hear all the time from people that they wish they had more mentoring and people they can learn from to help accelerate their careers. We're going to take you through all our foundations of sports physical therapy, including our clinical evaluation working with non-operative and post-operative patients, building return-to-sport programs, and even learning advanced-phase rehab and strength and conditioning principles for rehab professionals. In addition, we're going to have a bunch of case studies, a community, and live sessions to interact and ask us questions. We really can't wait. Check out the show notes to learn more and sign up today. The first cohort starts June 10th. Hey everyone, on this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we talk about monitoring athletes over the course of a season, some of the common limitations we see in people with poor hip hinge, and should you be a specialized or generalized physical therapist. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're here answering your questions at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston. Um, we've got another big crew again today. This is pretty good. Greg Wilson, strength coach here at Champion PT and Performance, is joining us a little bit for this episode. Dave Tilley, as usual, when he's not on vacation and, uh, and wow. uh, a lot of working wow. in, the, in the infamous Lenny Macrina here with our students Evan Eleven and Sir Nick lot. All right. I nailed that nailed intro. Really? <laughs> that 27 episodes. Pretty, oh yeah, You know we, get, we we almost forgot. Uh, awesome. Oh there we go. this, this was unintentional, but nope. we Lenny and I want to go on record and officially thank Dan Lorenz. What's his Twitter handle? It's something about KC rehab. Casey Rehab Man, expert. 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 KC, yeah. Dan Lorenz, awesome sports, <laughs> yeah, sports physical therapist uh, out in the Kansas City area. Um, we've been antagonizing him on this podcast <laughs> and on the internet for quite some time. Uh, we had a bet last football season, I guess the Pats Chiefs or something, right? Is that what it was? I believe so. And the Pats won, I assume. I don't even remember. Hence the. I don't even remember. Yeah, so he was supposed rewards. to send and us we ribs. Send name, we didn't quite <laughs> get ribs, but we got some KC barbecue sauce in the house. Lots of variety. So thank you, Dan Lorenz. This episode is dedicated to Kansas City barbecue. We'll, uh, we'll put those right here. We love, will, love Kansas City barbecue. I'm going to put my Brady jersey on and enjoy having <laughs> <episode, enjoy>, uh, <laughs> some ribs in here. Uh, not week one, but free probably, Brady. probably week two. Hashtag free Brady. All right. What are we here to talk about? <laughs>
1: I think there are some What's questions. What's the point of the fight? Yeah. Awesome. All right, sir, Nick's a lot. All right, Kyle from Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania says, Brooks. I'm currently working in the professional ice hockey setting. I deal with a lot of athletes that are in an excessive interior pelvic tilt with poor lumbar pelvic control. What methods would you recommend for evaluating throughout the course of a season for injury prevention? For example, FMS, PRI, manual muscle testing, or just simply evaluating movement?
0: All right, so in-season athlete, this is particularly hockey for his question, but in-season athlete, it's almost like that was like a big question and a little question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in-season athlete, how do you manage them? And then two is I guess more the anterior pelvic tilt, but we can just we can answer that within within the whole thing. Um, I, anytime you work in-season with athletes, it's super important that you have to understand the unique demands of that sport. Pretty common sense, right? When you think of it that way. If you know nothing about hockey, you probably shouldn't be working in hockey. So, you know, that is what it is. But you have to understand what the demands are there. So all your athletes are in anterior pelvic tilt. Well that makes sense. They're skating all the time, they're driving with their hips, they probably have tight hip flexors, they probably have tight groins, that you know, they're I mean they're hockey players. You know, So those are the unique demands for them. So what we did in baseball essentially over the last two decades really was we deconstructed what was normal. So here's what a normal person looks like and whatever that means. And then we studied what happens to them over the course of the season. So once you know what's normal and then what happens to them, and, and there's going to be cumulative stress over the course of the season, you, you, want, to, you want to deal with that stress. And, and my philosophy with baseball is every time you pick up a ball, I want you to look like you. Okay. I don't want you to look more than you or less than you. I want you to look like you. Okay. So my job is to maintain that through the season. So for you, it sounds like anterior pelvic tilt is going to be a big thing in hockey. You have to build some programs with your manual therapy, your stretching, your your strength and conditioning programs that combat that cumulative stress
2: that's going to cause that over the course of the season. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, so you just throw (laughs) in anything at them to maintain them whether it's needling if you're a PT and you can do it in your state or soft tissue work it's foam work it's foam rolling it's you know just the the maintenance type program and you've already established a good baseline during the season of where they're at and you're trying to somehow maintain that um, you know you, you work with gymnasts a lot and they're in a similar <laughs> right type yeah. position I think also so I still coach you know I still work with girls all year long and I
3: think the biggest thing for me is like you have to have some sort of monitoring system in place, whether I mean, objective stuff is getting huge right now. We're like looking at heart variability, like a wave and all these big things. So that stuff's awesome, but not everybody has access to some of these things. Right. I honestly think subjective, just talking with your athletes and right. listening to them and, and kind of hearing their feedback. And sometimes they don't want to tell you what's wrong, but you can get a vibe off then that like they're totally in the tank or like something's really wrong. And so I think. Being a good coach entails trying to always keep markers. Like we have an attendance sheet with perceived soreness and perceived fatigue and some other stuff that they monitor. And I just kind of scrolled down the list and I look at someone's been like seven out of 10 soreness for three days in a row. I'm like, what's going on? Right. And so that's one part of it. And then I think similar to uh, gymnastics, baseball, I've just we've taken the similar thing. It's like, what is normal? Like a little bit of anterior tilt is what you need to be successful in gymnastics. It's just kind of part of the sport. But if I have someone who's extremely there or they're starting to get some back soreness, or they're starting to have really bad hip pain in the front, then you need to take a step back and break it down further. So,
2: yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Nailed it. I mean, that's
3: you know it's all about it's all about
0: understanding them I mean, you, you asked about with systems like fms pri that sort of stuff mm-hmm. that, nothing beats touching your people yeah. you know so just uh get your hands on there <laughs> easy uh, get, get 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 hands on with your with your athletes you have to understand how they feel every day. Right. So if you're relying on a system or if you're relying on uh, even uh, omega wave or a perceived exertion thing, you're going to miss out on, on the subtle
3: indicators yeah. that you can feel with your hands you know, prior to that. So. That that's stuff's only a marker to tell you you should talk to them, right. I think. That's a good point.
0: I totally agree. The Sports science is getting, getting huge, Better, right? Yeah. So we're getting there with sports science, but you have to combine sports science with good old-fashioned hands, mm-hmm. you know, so nice all right what do we got sir Nick's a lot all right what are the most
1: common (coughs) limiting factors that you that you observe in patients struggling with a hip hinge movement pattern all
0: right so the, the some of the most common reasons why you could be limited in your hip hinge essentially so let's see this might be a good one see this is why we have greg wilson in the house he's a beast (laughs) <laughs> so Greg, among his many other fine qualities, is our, our team training coordinator. So he does a bunch of our uh, group uh, our group programming here at Champion. So you get to see probably a dozen people a day that hinge poorly, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In that, in that in fashion. Today. So, you know, our programs, we have things built into that to not only be able to work with them with a poor hip, hip hinge pattern, but to build them, but, you know, get them better over time. But so what do you – from your perspective, Greg – what do you think?
4: What, what are the, how, why are people so bad at hinging? Well, I think, well, from what I see, um, the population I'm dealing with is mostly just general population. So most of us in our jobs just sit all the time. So we're just really tight. And the hinge is just not really... <laughs> I'm standing for the rest of this. Just... <laughs> <laughs> the hinge really just isn't a pattern we're used to. And a lot of people just aren't <laughs> used to doing it. So um, when they get out there and you tell them to go deadlift the kettlebell... They go over there and they just kind of squat, pick it up, and stand up. And then as soon as you try to correct them and they feel that pull in their hamstrings when they finally do it right for the first time, it's like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> you know, you know? So they get really head. nervous. They, they, think they're head good, head. they think they're hurting themselves, but it's really the first time they've ever felt that that feeling in the back of their legs and their hamstrings doing a hinge properly
0: yeah everybody seems to be quad dominant you know know, i don't know if i have a good reason why i mean other than like you said their posture and sitting there all day um yeah i mean that's to me i think that's that's the number one reason it's it's disuse you know i mean everybody has the ability to do it they just don't know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together and actually perform it so then once you get coached well then you know you kind of you kind of get there so you know to, to answer your question why why are people so poor it's just from disuse so it's just like any other motor pattern you want to try to build with someone um, you just got to start with the basics and break it down and, and just teach them it again so you know that's yeah, that's that's well said so good work greg wilson love it
1: all right dan crawford from hayden heights new jersey He's applying to PT school now and had a question regarding becoming a generalized practitioner upon graduation. Almost relatable to youth sports specialization, is there a critical point at which the experience of certain clinicals takes away from the student's ability to get to get more time in their preferred setting? Huh. Is, is he
0: complaining so about I being generalized? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he's kind of saying so so he wants to be specialized.
1: But he feels like PT programs are...
0: Too generalized. Got Right. Well, I I mean, let's use the physician model. I think they do it well. You have to be a doctor before you can be a specialist, right? Like, before you go to, you know, your orthopedics and stuff, you do other stuff like fellowships and residencies and stuff to kind of specialize down the road. Um, You know, I don't know. Maybe that's one of the negatives of of PT is we don't do that enough. Like, everybody's just a generalist. But um, I don't know. What's he looking for? Is he looking for advice? Did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> I just went off there. <laughs> Wait, I,
2: yeah, I mean, it wasn't like so it he, I he also mentioned like in- internships and stuff like that, yeah. right? So I think it's you're Funny gonna on. you're to go through the schooling and get your basis because you got to learn cardio, and neuro, and yeah. it, that gives you a great fundamental, good good basis of just medical needs in general. And then I think for your internship, you start seeking out, you know, maybe a, a clinic that has a little more specialization in you sports during your internships. Then you can start throwing out the whole argument about uh, fellowships or residency programs or something like that, that I know is like an obsession in the PT student world. Um, so you can start looking at stuff like that, places that have used sports, sports performance programs. Um, but I think towards your last clinical, that's when you really want to think about finding a spot that has a good program that you can get involved with yeah, and see if you really like
0: it it's part of our education I mean, you have to be good at everything and I, I think you should kind of like I just recorded
2: that whole question on this wow. okay Siri
4: we'll shut you down Siri just dictated that whole thing yeah. <laughs> Siri's
0: done so, so I think in general I mean you have to you have to learn all those basics yeah,
2: yeah. definitely
0: and, and I, would, I would say that there are some things that cross platforms a little bit like the whole PNF world is gone from neuro to more ortho and sports yeah. you know over the time stuff like that um, never
2: mind with direct access you need to be able to yeah, see able to a full there. spectrum yeah. of stuff you never know even though we're in sports here we see things that would blow your mind sometimes And you need to be able to recognize that especially if somebody is not going through uh, the whole process of seeing a doc and getting all that you need to be able to recognize some of those other things some of those red flags that are out there and i think that's uh, a big aspect of know pt school yeah 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 you get,
0: you can be specialized
3: but spe- just just realize that that's probably not coming from yeah. your undergrad i would say that despite your specialty whether it's a sport like baseball gymnastics whatever like it's still the human body still has fundamentals that you have to understand and master before you go right. elsewhere so i think a problem that i've seen in people especially they contact kind of like me like i want to be in gymnastics too like what do you do i'm like well the first thing i did is take a step back and look at just the shoulder how does the shoulder work how does the knee work and then you start to reverse engineer like youth sport injuries of growth plates or whatever, like it's still the same mechanics depending on what you're working in. Right, Makes sense. Uh, how about this student's
1: perspective? You guys probably face this dilemma or
0: you're facing it. What do you guys think?
1: So my program, we do three different clinicals and it has to be three different settings because they are stressing the generalist thing. But if you think about it, the board exam is you're, they're testing you on being a so generalist. All encompassing, yeah. You know? yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so, Yeah.
0: Yeah. We all have to be physical therapists. You can be a pediatric physical therapist or sports physical therapist, but you have to be the physical therapist. first, Right. Right? What do you think? Sir, Nick, I, mean, I
1: think I think the generalizations, I mean, great to exactly like you're saying. We, we need to, I mean, we have to pass a license exam. But at the same time, I feel like, I mean, me and Evan both sought out these guys because we did want to specialize in sports and have a little more, you know, of those sports related tools and our tool set to, you know, take going forward. But um, you know, I think you have to just be proactive looking for a clinical site
3: that fits your passion.
1: Yeah, try to
0: nail your last clinical in the setting that you're
3: most yeah. preferred. I think yeah, people really cool. kind of, especially in school, are like, I'm never going to use this. Like, what's the point? I personally found that I was using a ton of stuff that I never thought, especially cardio, you yeah. and like, advanced sports yeah, performance. I picked there. up on that, by the way. Yeah, now. all that stuff. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> taking blood pressure over here now. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah>. I <laughs> recommend <laughs> you do that. We do that in, on everybody. In the right setting. Correct. Yeah. Even, like, wound care <laughs> stuff I didn't think I would use, but, like, now I work with athletes <laughs> in sports, like, I'm point of contact, so... People are bleeding and worrying about stuff in my life. Stuff. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Well, thank you guys so
0: much. Another great episode. We really appreciate all these awesome questions. Go to MikeReynold.com and uh, click on the podcast link and keep asking away. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynold.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question.